Hi everyone, it's Tony Nash with Plugged and Unplanned and I'm excited today because I'm interviewing an author, as I normally do, Robert Kiyosaki, the world's most prolific and successful business author. Um, come what come what may, I mean, you have sold, Robert, and millions and millions of books. Welcome to the show. Uh, thank you, Tony, and I'm honored, you know, because uh, you, you and I go a long way back. Yes, we did. Twenty much younger men. <laughs> Twenty-eight years. I was, I've, uh, I was about fifty pounds lighter um, at the time. So, um, oh. um, yes. Just to give people a little background. So, um, I did a workshop with um, with Robert's company called Money and You back in '92. Uh, that was quite um, confronting for me. It re- I went because it said the word money, um, but actually it was more about the you. Um, which I didn't realize, and that was super, super important. I was an employee at that time. And then the next year, 93, I went and did business school for entrepreneurs in Hawaii, a 16-day course, which, which was just my everything I needed to become a business owner, which, uh, which happened three years later. So it wasn't as if I did that course and I came back to Australia and went and, went and started the course. It took a while for me to, to get into motion and to get things going. And, and for those of you that know Booktopia, Booktopia has gone on to be a huge success. And I can assure you many of the principles that, that Robert challenged me on and challenged all of us on have been applied in this company. And uh, maybe we get to talk about some of them today. But, um, but I would say, I mean, people think about Robert Kiyosaki, and I've known him for many years, about, you know, investing and business, entrepreneurship. But actually, um, I know him as an educator, and he probably thinks that that's probably, that's probably your profession. What do you say to that, Robert? Uh, it's, you know, I agree, and um, you know, we're we're all educators, but we're also all students. And and I think one of the most important things to be, if you're going to be an educator, is you have to be a student. You know, and and a lot of times people who are educators aren't students, and we've all run into them. You know, in school and business and homes and all this, they they kind of speak from the top of their head but they don't speak with their heart and they don't speak with a purpose, you know? And, and I think that's really a challenger today is how do you find teachers, you know, real teachers versus promoters and hucksters and those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I'm not a qualified teacher. Do, do you know what I mean? I, I didn't go to teaching school, but I talk about my education, which started with rich, my rich dad and my poor dad. But the biggest uh, influence that got me out of business and into teaching was Buckminster Fuller, you know, considering the planet's greatest, one of the planet's greatest geniuses. And as you said, money and you was more about. And if Fuller had seen, Fuller died in 1983, if he had seen what, where we took money and you, he'd be spinning in his grave, you know, because, mm. because uh, we're also capitalists. And uh, Fuller was more, what did I say, socialistic. But that's what teachers do. You know, they're supposed to push you to one side, the other side, and all this. So that, that's really what it was about. So Money in You was one of the greatest, you know, coming to Aussie and all this was one of the greatest experiences of my life. So I'm, I get goosebumps thinking about it. And I congratulate you on all your success. Thank you. In fact, um, I'm going to share with the, the listeners today, um, just to give you guys an idea of, you know what it was like to be in in a, the workshop with 150 other budding entrepreneurs. Um, so it was 16 days, and this woman who was a, um, 
I guess an expert or a scholar on on uh, Buckminster Fuller, Amy Edmondson, was like doing uh, doing her her bit on the on the whole, um, you know, Bucky and all of his principles. And it was quite um, it was quite challenging for most of us because we probably never thought that way before. And I'm sitting there in the audience. Amy's doing her thing, and I'm sitting there. And I go up to the back of the room, and I I, I take Robert aside. I take you aside, right? And I go so. You know, like, is it with the tetrahedron, which, guys, is a four-sided pyramid, right? Is it the tetrahedron, like, so is it kind of like those four points? And is the energy in the middle, like, is there some sort of energy? And Robert looks at me and he just shakes his head and he go, and he just goes, you are so on the wrong track, mate. Um, it, was, it was just a classic, um, it was just a classic moment in, in terms of, you know, like, um, the educate, like, um, a lot of, what that was in terms of those kind of that kind of thinking was break break you out of the kind of like a two-dimensional plane into a three-dimensional plane and and just to share with everyone what i got from that lesson and, and to give you feedback robert is that the tetrahedron to me is like uh, and bucky talks about it is the smallest um object in the universe in, in terms of the number of points you can have to actually make it a, make it a, a three-dimensional like a four-sided pyramid with a triangle and the other point. And from that, I realized as I built the company, if I want to have some sort of organization, I need to have four parts to a system for it to exist. So if I'm looking at something at three parts, you know, and Simon Sinek talks about, you know, start with the why and there's the inside, da, 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 right, three parts, start with the why and the what and the how, right? There's not four parts. So immediately I go, where's the fourth part? Um, and there was a lot of that conversation in terms of, Bucky, even though he's, he was, the principles for business was just so profound, but so out there that um, it did, it, for entrepreneurs, it's important to, as you say, educate. I mean, one of the things you said to us early on was um, the biggest ROI you can get is in educating yourself. So um, forget about shares and, and, you know, real estate or whatever. You want to get a, the best ROI, keep investing in yourself, which is basically what you're still saying. Yeah, and, and what you're talking about was, you know, my poor dad, when I was in high school, was a fan of Bucky Fuller. Rich dad never was, because <laughs> he's, he's a capitalist. And my, my old man was a socialist, you know, poor dad, he was a school teacher. But he had me sit on his table, and we would build square, main tetrahedrons, triangles, octahedrons, dodexahedrons, and all this. And then... In 1960, so I graduated from high school in 65. In 67, I'm in school in New York. And I hitchhiked all the way to Expo 67 because Fuller was becoming famous. And his the U.S. pavilion at Expo 67 in Montreal, Canada, you can go to the website, you know, the Google, and just Google it, it was this geodesic dome. And the geodesic dome was the U.S. pavilion. And I went through that thing and I had no idea. It was, you know, it was the most ungodly feeling of space. You know, not of, not of matter, but of space. And so I didn't understand the geodesic dome. You could ride a truck through it and all this stuff. And I'm, I'm there going, wow. I went to the Russian pavilion, the Norwegian, the German pavilions, all in the future. And Fuller was a futurist. So then what happens is in 1981, there's this thing called the future of business up in California, Kirkwood, California, near Lake Tahoe. And I went there and I actually meet the guy. And it was like, holy moly. 
So what I carried on was what you were looking at with the tetrahedron. Think of the pyramids of Egypt. Those are the building blocks of the universe. And I went, what? And so what Fuller was not yelling and screaming about, but he was adamant about was our mathematical system was wrong. There's no such thing as pi r squared. You know, pi is an unresolved number, but 3.14. He says, do you think God will leave a bubble unresolved? So I'm sitting there just like you are, you know, back when I was teaching that stuff going, the shit's he talking about? (laughs) Who cares? Who cares if a bubble is unresolved? You know, who cares about pi r squared? Who cares about triangles? But the more I studied it, what you were studying, what we were studying, and we've carried on into our future, are the building blocks of universe, of God. And squares don't exist. Squares are basically two triangles. And they don't hold their shape. You can, we can move a square around, but you can't move a triangle around. So that's the first area is a, is a triangle. The first volume is the tetrahedron. Great. Yeah. And so when I cruise through the pavilion, Expo 67, I'm going, que pasa? You know, as the Mexicans would say, what have, what am It was massive. And I said, How? it was basically proving that God wanted us to be successful and be rich. That you could, you could enclose so much space with so little material. That was the geodesic dome. And then from there, I cruised on. After I did Money and You and myself, I was a student like you. I went to the business school and all this. From there, my life changed. I just let go of hanging on to earning a living. You know, I said, screw earning a living. I'm just going to find out what I'm supposed to be doing. And so my wife, Kim, and I take off from Hawaii in 84, and we wind up, we've, we're in California, but we wound up in Aspen, Colorado, and Fuller had passed on by then. But with John Denver and all these other guys, it was Tony Robbins, and we're all working together to see what we could do to make it a better world. Mm. And, and the more I did that, plus combining that with Rich Dad, I made a fortune. <laughs> no, I know, I know. I'm saying, Bucky would be spinning in his grave right now. <laughs> yeah. He would. So when, I mean, I remember when you took a, in a hiatus from uh, teaching and, and you went away. Actually, it wasn't the book. I remember coming back uh, to an event where you had developed a game, the Rich Dad, Poor Dad game, which we played I can't remember if the book came first or the game came first or the, the both of them came together, but um, the game was phenomenal. I play it with my kids um, every now and then, every now and then, and it's really about teaching, uh, you know, to get out of the rat race. How to get out of the rat race was the was the title of the game, and or the subtitle at least. And so, um, given given so much time has passed, and you've been educating and and screaming i would imagine sometimes to people to try and get through their their you know age-old belief systems that that they just it's very hard to to uncouple from have you seen any progress is there is there change is there you do you feel like we're, we're starting to shift um or is it a very long slow and you know and in a in 200 years from now will will we get it what's your perspective on that well, one of the generalized principles Fuller talked about was lag time. There's always a lag of delay. But if I could go back to something, you know, you, you so kindly agreed not to talk about what happened to me. But it was an important event. 
You see, what was happening is we we're so successful, especially in Aussie, because Aussie is a blend of the world in the new age and old age, you know, the old, the traditional and the new. So we had tremendous recept reception in Aussie because I could talk about Bucky, I could talk about woo-woo stuff, and there was a tremendous acceptance in Aussie. But what happened is we got too strong. And pretty soon, you know, the government was, Aussie government, the fire department, the police department were sending people to us for transformational work. And then, I, 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 if it's okay, I'm gonna talk about it. What happened was there was that thing called- um, Four Corners. No, no, it was before that. It was called uh, Waco, Texas. Oh, Waco. Okay. So there was this guy, David Koresh. Hmm. And I think 80 people died, women and children. Now, a lot of them were Aussies. And so what happened was, you know, it's all the precession of the ripple effect. So this preacher in Aussie gets together and he says, we're looking for American cult leaders. So they, they, they put me in the same category as Koresh. You know, I'm going, well, that's a promotion. <laughs> I don't even know the guy. So Four Corners from the ABC came by and this Christian preacher hung us out to dry as cult leaders. Now, everybody would say, so our business was destroyed. We were in five capital, four capitals, five capital cities, Kiwi land and all this stuff. We got destroyed. Now, if not for Bucky and his teachings, I sat there, I was depressed for, I would say, three months. Business was wiped out. You remember those days. The biggest thing was that uh, the ABC said they never had such an outpouring of people condemning them for crucifying us for no reason. But as you know, that's life, you know. But as Fuller says, God makes no mistakes. So it took me a while in trying to figure it out. I said, what's the lesson? What's the lesson? And all of a sudden, the lights come on. So bad can be good if you get the lesson. So how's the lesson went on? I went, oh, my God. Oh my God, the reason this happened, the Four Corners event and Koresh and all this stuff is because I'm playing too small. You know, we were teaching behind closed doors and people didn't know what we were doing. And then one of the other things, so lag is a generalized principle, it's true in all cases. Another thing is the more people I serve, the more effective I become. So with that, I said, how can I teach without doing a seminar? And out of that, because of Four Corners and ABC and all this stuff, my wife and I developed the cash flow board game. And so when I, when I came roaring back to Aussie, the ABC called me, I said, hey, I said exactly as follow what I said, argue with the artifact. If you think this is a cult thing, just play the damn game. And of course they don't right there because they're, they're like the American media. You know, they don't, they're not looking for the truth. They're looking to crucify. So anyway, but the lesson is, Tony, is it's like this, I'm not real religious, but there was tremendous lessons from the Bible. It's that before you can go to resurrection, you have to be crucified. And so what happens in life to all of us Life is nothing more than a crucifixion or a resurrection. Now, unfortunately, as you know, 
when people get crucified, they turn to drinking and drugs and all this other stuff too. But I think that's that was a blessing from hanging out with Fuller, was that if I hadn't had his teaching, I've studied with him for three years, and I said, now why did this happen to me? God makes no mistakes. Why did the Australian Broadcasting fuck, hand me out, hang me out to dry? Was because I wasn't serving enough people. It was time to move on. Mm. Well, that was the hiatus you, you so kindly mentioned. And Kim and I created the cash flow board game in 96. 97, I wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And in 2000, Oprah had me on her show. <laughs> yes. I'm a rock star again, Tony. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it's so great because I think for those that are listening as entrepreneurs, what what I can share with everyone uh, in my observation, because I was there, I saw it. I didn't ring the ABC and bitch and complain about it. I was just in, I was disappointed. And I was shocked, but um, I I guess I was probably you know focusing on my own career. But I can tell everyone that as a business person and as an entrepreneur, things come out of left field. You just don't expect them to happen, right? And and I've had things like, you know, we the the property that we're in now is about um it's about 150,000 square feet, and we've kind of expanded a little over the years. But when we first got to this location, uh, we took actually another unit, and the uh, the CEO of Fujitsu rang the CEO of the property company that we had uh, rented from, which is Australia's largest commercial property company, and they said. Um, we know that you've rented unit A. We want unit A. We rent from you all over Australia, and and so therefore we're going to take it. And we had already made our deposit and signed contracts. And the guy had to ring me on Christmas Eve to say, Tony, I've got the worst possible news because we had spent nine months trying to find a place, and he and he has to then divulge that um, you know what had happened, and he had been sweating bullets apparently before he made the call. And I said to him, I said to him, Sean. The only reason this has happened is there's a better opportunity waiting around the corner. Really? You think so? Absolutely. And I can assure you this company, because I was so accommodating and nice, they bent over backwards. We got a bigger property for a less, you know, for saying what we would have paid for a smaller, just everything. And so there's so many situations as an entrepreneur. Now, if you're going to ride the roller coaster of emotions of being an entrepreneur and um, this is an audio, so um, you know, just you, get, you guys have got to imagine. Just think of the distance that you have to travel on the roller coaster if you're going up. And you know, we we won a business award, or we had a great month in sales, and then you know, someone resigned, and then something else happened, right? Versus flatlining it and just yes, we won an award, awesome, right? I interviewed Robert Kiyosaki, fantastic. You know, it's like it's not, it's don't you can celebrate, but not. Not to the point where you're just over over celebrating because when things come out of left field, it's just really, um, it's just a tough, tough road. And so for those entrepreneurs or those in business, in fact, anything in life, just bring it on. You could just got to say, bring it on. Because if not, you're gonna, it's going to trip you up. And everyone can now see so many years later um, the gift that they gave all of us who have read your books or listen listen to your audio, um, you know, versions or e ebooks, and and been able to trans transform their life. I mean, it's it's it, it, we can see it now, but it was a phenomenal, phenomenal gift. Um, of course, you didn't feel that at the time, and neither did the people that were in your organisation. That would have been really, really tough. I still know many of them here in Australia, 
and and still friends with them. And so, um, so what? It, one of the things I was thinking of, and I know, you know I want this to, this um, podcast to go on for about eighteen hours, but um, we have very little time. I realize you're a busy man. Um, so, as an entrepreneur, and you think about your people that you meet, and you challenged me certainly all those years ago. What what are some of the questions? That you feel that when I mean, you talk to people, that you would ask of me or ask of others um, to, you know, maybe we're playing too small. I mean, Booktopia, sure, it's, it's big in Australia, but um, and we have international plans, and nothing on the table as yet. But what, what do you what do you think of when you think of because uh, because that's the that's your audience to a degree. I mean, um, it's about being being in a job or having your own business. Um, you're either paying yourself a salary, so you're either working for someone else or you're building an asset. And and so and that's one of the things that I've been very um, vigilant around and remember very clearly that um, we are building something to sell. The fact that we may, may choose to hold on to it is our choice because it pays us a dividend or or you know does does um, the, the the share value is increasing. But what what do you think about when you when you meet business people and how do you challenge them? Well, it's not just business people, you know, especially today, because I know unemployment's rising all over the world. Uh, Warren Buffett just dumped all of his banking shares. He's buying Barrett Gold. You know, that's that's like uh, that's the biggest news because that's why I started Rich Dad. You know, is is Fuller wrote the book called The Grunge of Giants. It was how in '83, it's how the banking system or the the rich rip off the world. And that was kind of my purpose. So when I talk to entrepreneurs, it says more than making money, what's your life's purpose? And you just mentioned Blair Singer, who was your teacher. He and I are still working together. In fact, as we speak right now, he's at my company taking my little dinky rich dad company to the next level. And so we never stop our mission, our work and all that stuff. So no matter what happens is you know, we just keep working. So we're, we're a smaller company now, but it goes back to the generalized principle of how do we serve more people? Because the more people I serve, the more effective I become. So I doesn't mean I have to do it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that competent. So Blair being my friend for all these years, we never stopped being friends. Even the four corners of ABC thing hit, we just kept going with our work. When I talk to people who are losing their work and all that, and I feel for them, it's uh, it's horrible. And that, that's why I kind of I wrote Rich Dad Poor Dad because my old man lost his work. Rich Dad lost everything else. Poor Dad lost everything also. But I think it's not a matter of believing in God; it's just trusting in God. And I'm not real religious. I'm not pitching that. But just like the tetrahedron and the triangle and all that, those are God's building blocks. If you follow God's principles, not schools, you know, there's no pi r squared in the world, but our schools teach that garbage. Do you, do you know what I mean? And you got to choose your teachers and all this stuff, but go on with your mission. What's your mission? What's your purpose in life? And every time I get stuck, do you know what I mean? I, I, it's like I'm, I'm trapped in a wall. How am I going to get out of here? The same thing that happened before. How do I get trapped? It is, you just kind of tune in, you know, and move on. Just keep being of service to humanity and the planet. And, you know, ecologically, environmentally, medically, we have massive problems. So rather than trying to make money, the question that Fuller asked me back in the 80s was what problem are you going to hear 
what, what problem are you here to solve? Mm-hmm. And, and when, uh, when all of this happened, I realized it was financial education. What my rich dad had taught me when I was nine years old. And again, that's not a mistake. Why did I go searching for my rich dad? You know, but that also is biblical. I'm not trying to pump religion because those guys got me in for those cult awareness networks. But anyway, mm-hmm. we've, all, we've all been crucified. You know what I mean? So anyway, it's um, when my rich dad was there teaching me, my Sunday school teacher was at the same time saying to me, she says, what made the three wise men uh, wise? You know, I'm seven years old now going, what do you mean? She says, what made the three men wise? I go, they were rich. You know, I said, there was gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And she goes, you stupid kid, you know, I'm, I'm seven years old. Because I, so, I was so into money. And she said something that changed my life. She says, what made the three wise men wise was they always sought the best teacher. And at that time in that story, it was Jesus Christ. And other people seek Buddha, Muhammad, and whoever you search. But today with YouTube and books and all this stuff, you know, it's imperative people seek their next teacher. You know, and I'm not, you know, my teachers are different than your teachers and all this stuff. But I just love YouTube, although they've shut me down several times because I'm too controversial. But anyway, um, find your teachers. And today has never been easier before than to find your teachers. And there's a lot of them giving stuff away for free. Why would you go to college, you know? They just, I go on YouTube, I tune in, I'm, I'm learning so much. So that's that's the world today. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I must admit, um, I probably have, I won't say neglected it, uh, but I've been applying myself, applying the principles and learning. I do I do public speak. I, I'm on the speaker's tour, not, not too many events. And, and uh, of course, with 260 people in your team, you're constantly teaching. Um, and they're my teachers as well, because I'm learning uh, to build a business. Uh, so we work, you know, we work together. But yeah, perhaps that's a that's a good response. Something for me to to uh, contemplate and and just. Yeah. Kind of... But not only that, Tony, is when you teach, you learn more. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's a no lose. It's a no lose world um, unless you're lying. And a lot a lot of guys who are teachers are full of it, as you know what I mean. Mm. Especially selling something. But if you're teaching from your heart, this is my this is what I've learned and all this stuff. You get more of it back. Yeah, so that's why I was so honored when you just told me you did money in you and did business school and all that. That's why I teach. The money's fine, but I, I make more money in real estate. <laughs> of course, of course. And gold. <laughs> of course. That's why. Um, that's why Fuller would be spinning in his grave. <laughs> no, I reckon he would have a pretty, um, you know, high high level. I know you joke about it, but at the same time, he knows. Um, you know, if you were to if you were to do a, a an asset balance sheet, asset and liability balance sheet, that um, if you accumulate all of the educating around, because it, it, by educating in financial intelligence, I mean I must admit, uh, I, you know, I, I would say I was more educated uh, by you through entrepreneurship and business skills than potentially. I've, I never really focused on the financial aspect other than in the business. I've been very ruthless around having um, having very um, 
detailed and and um, financial statements. Um, PwC have been our auditors, and when we were quite small, we didn't need to have them have PwC. We just wanted to have their uh, stamp on our on our financials early on. So as we, as we I wish every entrepreneur would listen to right now. That's the most important thing you could do. Rich Dad Poor Dad is only about a financial statement, income, expense, asset, liabilities. Yeah. I was just talking to a young man. He wants to drop out of school. I said, well, before you drop out of school, take an accounting class and uh, contract law. He says, why? I said, because that's the basis of life. You have to have, you know, whether you become an entrepreneur or not, you, life is about contracts, which is the legal side. And your financial statements, your report card when you leave school. And yeah. I, you know, so I said, whether you become an entrepreneur or not, you've got to have financials and you've got to have contract law. Now, that's what Fuller did not recommend. But anyway, that's what I recommend. <laughs> yeah. In fact, one of the, the first bits of advice that I got from a guy, uh, Brian Scher, um, he um, he said to me, don't worry about income statements. Don't worry about balance sheet. Just run, have a cash flow statement and start making sure that you have more cash at the end of the month than you did at the beginning. and he says that's that's how you build it from the from the outset, and and I I remember that. So my thing about uh, building Booktopia has been about generating more cash so we can then fund things. So so Booktopia has gone from you know ten dollars a day uh, to three days to sell the first book to um, we'll sell over seven million physical books this year. The reason I created the cash flow board game is really about the financial statement. It's the only board game that teaches financial statements. There's multiple financial statements. This is more information people want. But the income statement, the financial statement is income is PL, income and expense. There's also the balance sheet. And there's also the statement of cash flow. So the rich dad, I mean the cash flow board game is three financial statements in one. And those are the minimum. Again, the triangle, Tony. You've got to have three. So you need the income and expense, which is a PL, you need balance sheet, asset liability, and statement of cash flow. And that's what happened <laughs> after the ABC hung me out like Jesus Christ. You know, as a cult leader, I'm going, I'm just trying to teach accounting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but they did me the biggest favor of all because I had to get off my butt and do something different. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But please hear me. Another thing too is that what you're saying is in the vocabulary. You know, words are the most powerful tools ever created by human beings. Poor people always think in PNL, you know, income and expense. You know, my poor dad was almost how much money am I making, and keep my expenses low. But the rich think in balance sheets, and the average person doesn't know what a balance sheet is. And the reason the statement of cash flow which is the third piece part of the puzzle. The statement of cash flow is how you direct your income into the balance sheet. And that's what made Rich Dad Poor Dad successful, made the cash flow game successful. And then you can make as many mistakes as you like, because as you know, in school, they punish you for making mistakes. But in the real world, the guy who makes the most mistakes and learns wins. Do you know? But so academic system, I'm very critical of them because they're mostly like my poor dad. You know, they have a diploma. But the diploma is five years old. By the time your diploma is five years old, you're obsolete with your diploma. Do you know? What are you teaching? Mm. Old stuff, you know? You, you look, gonna, at, look at what's, gonna, what's 
look at just what happened a couple of days ago. This trucking company announced they'll have driverless trucks on the road next year. In America, there's three million truck drivers out of work. What we're doing right now is Zoom. We're going to put thousands and thousands of school teachers out of work. That's what's going to happen. And we're still telling people to go to school and get a job. I'm going to talk about an old idea. Is there much happening then in the way of, of um, student uh, financial intelligence um, and, and just you know, business intelligence? Do you, do you see, because you're probably making a, a closer observation than that. Uh, are we doing a better job in, um, or is it the same, still the same um, awful outcomes that, um, that we then have to then leave school so we then get that kind of knowledge? That's, that's pretty much it. What you're saying is another one of Fuller's principles. Bucky Fuller, he says, get the student out of school and back to his studies. And I want, I want, so I'm sitting, this is 83 or 82, I'm going, what the hell is he talking about? And he says, what Fuller was saying, each and every one of us has a particular subject we're interested in. And mine was money. <laughs> you know, I, you know I, well, you're greedy, you're a capitalist, you're a pig, and all that. I just want to understand money. But I naturally studied it since I was a kid. And so when he said that, I said, oh, good. So I just began studying it. And uh, that's how I could make predictions about the future. You know, we're in serious financial trouble. I don't have to tell you that. Because if Buffett is buying, Buffett is dumping banks and buying Barrick Gold, I'd move into the Perth Mint right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'd be hiding out there. Because something something bad's going to happen. I don't exactly know what. But it's also a good time if you're an entrepreneur. You know, if you're an employee and need a job, you're in serious trouble. But if you're an entrepreneur, I mean, look at the cell phone that, you know, which Steve Jobs created, the iPhone. You can now market to the world. I can sit on Bondi Beach, have my long black, and collect cash from the world. You know, what else could, I, what else could you ask for? <laughs> I know it's all it's all changed, and and I think that's an interesting thing from my perspective because it's going back to the PL and the balance sheet. Because I'm gonna um, I'm gonna disclose to everyone listening that uh, I only was saying to my CFO the other day that I have probably spent 15 years focusing on the PL because we we are the only company in Australia to have had 35 cent compound annual growth rate on our revenue for 13 years. And that's from a starting point of four million. It wasn't even when we were at zero, right? So, no other com company in Australia has, has accomplished that much growth with no funding. And so, I've really focused on revenue growth. But over the last few years, say four or five years, profit has just started to we just started to get to that profitable stage. So then, profit we're starting to get profit. Great, we're accumulating profit. It's only in the last year I said to him, I'm kind of looking at the balance sheet now in a different way, and I. That's, I'm guilty of that. I'm really guilty. Maybe we could have got there faster, perhaps, if I was thinking more of that. It's an interesting comment that you make there because I, I really neglected it. Because when you're making that many losses over so many years and you're just kind of generating cash from your customers to reinvest and reinvest, um, the balance sheet was never sexy enough for me. Um, and But now, but now um, that's a good, really, really good point. Um, in, the, in my world, when I'm talking to the banks and all this stuff, it's all a balance sheet. 
you know, it's the, it's the poor who think of income and expenses. That was my poor debt. And my rich debt was pure balance sheet. How many assets do you have? And so I spent my life acquiring assets, and my poor debt was acquiring more college degrees and more income and paying higher taxes. I said, you know, Dad, you better wake up, man. It's, anyway, it's, it's just different different people, different lives, different education. Mm -hmm. So, so when you um, when you uh, think about um, the way America is, I, I had the privilege of interviewing uh, Harry Dent on my podcast the other day, and he's very, very vocal. Um, and and you freaking idiots! Um, and so um, he he is he is um, uh, you know a bit of a seer in terms. Of, well, he's not a seer. What he does is he he just takes a different um, three dimensional perspective of um, of the financial, you know, the, the economy, and he sees things as they are, um, the way that he sees them. And um, how, I mean, you talk about America being in a, in a, in a difficult position, but he's, he's, he's astonished how much cash is being printed in, in the American economy to fund everything. And he, it's just basically like, you know, asking your bank, can you just, uh, uh, could you just increase my my credit limit. I just want to double my credit limit, and if you could just give me a bit more cash, then that'll be. It's just getting worse and worse and worse. I remember you. Um, you either wrote a book. No, you you promoted a book to us um, at um, Business School for Entrepreneurs called uh, Bankruptcy 1995. Correct. Um, um, that that didn't really happen in the way that, or did it? Um, and and did it was it just delayed because of government intervention and and fiscal policy? How did how, how how are they manipulating us at the moment, the governments, to kind of stave off any kind of, you know, Great Depression? Well, the book hasn't, um, Bankruptcy 1995 was a far ahead of its time. It's written by an Arizona, University of Arizona professor. But it's, it's starting to happen now is because there's only two things, debt and taxes. And because America has printed so much debt, it's got to collect more taxes. See, that, that, that happened in 1913 at the Fed, the US dollar became debt or taxes. So what's going to happen is they're sucking everybody into real estate and then they're going to raise real estate prices. They're going to bankrupt them. Mm -hmm. so that's why if you're at Rich Dad, you know, in Rich Dad Portis, your house is not an asset. Number one is because taxes are going to wipe out the homeowner. And that's already happening today as we speak. The number of Americans who defaulted on their loans last month was 22.1 million people. 30% of Americans are in default of their mortgages. Right. And and so it's and Harry's, you know, Harry and I, he's, he is my teacher. I mean, I'm so honored to be doing these seminars with him. But I never agree with my teachers anyway. So. But we, we see the problem, you know, the problem's the same. It is America printing too much money. And it is America, not anybody else, you know. The question is, what's your solution to it? So, you know, I say buy gold and silver, and Harry says, gold's gonna go to a thousand bucks, US. He was also calling for 400, but that's a little too long ago. And then also, uh, another one of my co-authors, this guy Jim Ricketts, who wrote Currency Wars and all that, he's calling for $15,000 gold. So here on one side of the equation, on you know, there's, we're given a left foot and a right foot, you know, on the left side is Harry. 
very smart guy, $1,000 gold. And what you should do is buy U.S. Treasuries. And the other side is Jim Records, who was with the Defense Department, the CIA, long-term capital management and all that. And he says, gold's going to go to 15000 and stay out of Treasuries. Now, Tony, I don't know who's right. Mm. But the reason you want to listen is because, you know, all coins have three sides, heads, tails, and the edge. And our job as, you know, we have these two titans called Jim Records and Harry Dent, is I sit there and listen to both sides and then I make up my own mind. But I've been buying gold since 1973 at $50 an ounce. My basis, you know what I mean, is pretty low. I mean, it's pretty low. It drops to a thousand. I'm still in the. I'm still. I'm still in the green. You know, I'm still black. So, I don't really give a shit. <laughs> but but gold um, to to the point of being uh, you know the reading a rich dad poor dad book is not giving you an income. So it is it is an asset if it's appreciating in value. Um, so it's when you buy and then when you sell, um, and and so that's getting pretty. Um, uh, we're getting we're getting pretty stretched and looking down the barrel of a gun when we when we're looking for things that are not going to deliver a, a passive income for us. Is that? No, is that, no it goes to definition. You know, Fuller says in words two definition of the word. Gold and silver are money. They're God's money. Gold and silver were here when the earth was formed. Gold has been so-called money since five thousand years ago, when goldsmiths used to make jewelry and they had a safe. They kept it safe. And the original goldsmiths 5,000 years ago became today's bankers, a bunch of crooks, but they're still, but that was money. So money has no counterparty risk. Whereas gold is just gold, silver is just silver. Silver is a better investment today. But whereas if I buy a bond, the counterparty risk is the US government. So Harry just loves treasury bills. You know, I don't trust the government, so I don't I don't touch them. The counterparty is the U.S. government. Now you trust the U.S. government by treasury bills. I just don't. I'm very patriotic, but I don't trust those guys in Washington D.C. or the banks. You know, mm. so it, it all depends. And so then, with records, who is he was with long-term capital management. He was part of that. You remember when the Thai bot crisis hit and all that stuff? Well, he was part. He was long into the Russian rubles. The Thai bot fired off the Russian ruble and the Russian ruble nearly brought down the whole US economy, you know, because they're so far leveraged on it. So that was kind of Jim Records religion. And he says, Oh my God, what are we doing? So he and I kind of joined forces because there's no financial education. Our banks are ripping people off left, right and center. You know, so is the US Treasury. So it really depends upon your philosophy, your vision, and your 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 sight. So records will say one thing, debt will say one thing, and I'm going to do what I'm going to do anyway. <laughs> it's very it's very interesting. I think for those that are listening, and um, uh, when I spoke to your your team today, they said you can have 30 minutes, maybe 45 at the max, and I can see we're at 43 minutes now, and and this this could go on for another hour or two. But um, one of the things I think we all as um, as 
the beneficiaries of you and your studies and 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 spending time with these these experts and people who who are obsessed about this information. Um, you've got a, a huge range of books that you've that you've either written yourself or co-written with others, and we sell them on Booktopia. And you, you know, by all means, please. Um, I mean, I'm not having this conversation with Robert to to try and sell more books. We're not here to flog anything, but it's about if you're wanting to educate yourself, if you want to to know more about what you know what is going on, then. Uh, Robert's books, any books, I think that's one of the biggest messages today is you, you've got to be a, a student of the things that are important to you and your your wealth, your health, the security of you and your family and your businesses and your peers that that you work with. Um, it's it's all in there. I had the lucky uh, privilege of, of doing some of Robert's uh, courses back in the early 90s. That was a great investment in me and, and Booktopia in many ways um, has has got a little to thank for Robert and what he taught me because I have applied many of those principles. So before we close out, uh, Robert, and I know. Tony, could I say a couple of things because it's relative to today? Sure. You know, there's an old saying is when elephants fight or whatever it is, the grass gets trampled, the little guys get trampled. So today we have this guy, Donald Trump, and then you have Warren Buffett. Those are, those are big elephants. And my family won't talk to me because I wrote a book and I'm friends with Donald and his family and all this stuff. I just want to say he's a great man, but I know him personally. You know, I, I've, I've worked with him for eight years. His sons and I have gone camping and hunting and fishing together. They're really great people. So I just want you to understand the media trashes them badly, but my personal dealings with them but when I tell my cousins, I said, he's a great guy. No, he's not. You know, their minds are so closed. I'm going, do you even know the guy? No, I don't need to know him. You know, I, I saw it on Facebook and all this stuff. And, okay, give me a break. Yeah. But anyway, that's where people are at. The other thing is Warren Buffett today is dumping banking stocks. Please listen to that. And he's buying gold. You know, if there isn't a sign from God you know, Buffett and Trump and all this stuff, and you're watching your YouTube or reading books, that's the reason to study. You know, you want to keep an open mind going into the future because it's a very different future. If next year they launch driverless long-haul lorries, you know, Aussie lives on those guys. Without those guys, you're out. You're out. But if those guys lose their jobs, every small town, every you know, every place they stop around, they're affected. And it's nothing to do with Trump or Buffett. It has to do with technology. So if there's any, so you look at your business, you know, Booktopia. I mean, without technology, you know, the, the old guys would still be in charge. Right. Right. But you stayed up with the times. And we better all keep staying up with the times. And that's why education and open mind and all that. So my cousins who hate me because I'm a friend with Donald, I'm going, but you don't even know the guy. And they hate him. You know what I mean? And, and that's really, to me, that's closed-minded business, bigotry. Uh, anyway, so anyway, keep an open mind. That's the most important thing today. But with, with uh, Donald, I mean, you, um, you mentioned him. Most of us won't get to meet him like you will. So. Um, you're either, you're either going to have an opinion on his on his 
leadership style, his his governing of the American economy. That's all you've really got. Um, and and he's he's gifted us um, so much of himself because he's quite often just speaking on behalf of himself without having any advisors around curating him and saying, mate, I don't think as the president I wouldn't be saying that. And all right, I'll turn it down. Like so, um, it, he's he's actually um, you know. It's more of him as a, as the U.S. president than we've had in many years. Um, and, well, because he's, he's after. I don't know if you know this, but you know Biden's son made his money in the Ukraine and doing deals with China. The Clintons, their daughter Chelsea Clinton ran the the Clinton Foundation. Obama took a hundred fifty billion dollars and gave it to Iran. And my friend Records, who works for the CIA, says. Those guys broke every rule possible. And so they, but the Democrats, you know, I'm not political, but the Democrats hung them out to be saints. But the people inside the CIA, they go, those guys were really, they, they changed all the rules to make themselves richer. The good thing about Trump, he's already rich. You know, and I know his sons, his sons are entrepreneurs like us. They don't need to steal. But if you're an academic type, you have to steal because you don't know how else to make money. Mm. So, yeah. I mean, those, and that's why you want to be educated today is you want to keep an open mind. All coins have three sides, heads, tails, and the edge. But have my cousins hate me because I know Trump. I'm going, give me a break. Do you know who I am? They go, you're the friend of Trump. Okay. I, mean, I can't believe what's happening in the world, Tony. That's, that's, what, that's what scares me. Did they hate you before he was president? I think so. <laughs> uh, school teachers, Tony. They're school teachers. <laughs> I trust school teachers every chance I get because because they're teaching. They're not teaching kids about money. Yeah. yeah. And my whole family, my whole family, you know, I'm I'm the only guy with a bachelor of science degree. Everybody else has got their masters, PhDs, you know they. And you know how it is, they look down upon you. If they got a PhD, they're not gonna to talk to you because you only got a bachelor's degree or a master's degree. You know, it's, it's human nature. They wanna look down on somebody, so look down on me. But I wanna show my financial statement, especially my balance sheet, and say, look at this. I have a financial statement. What do you got? A diploma? <laughs> Surely some universities, after everything you've done, have given you an honorary doctorate or something, haven't they? I got two of them. And by the way, you know, Trump and I were out in Sydney talk, you know, doing a talk. And um, I got to ride back with him and forward, you know, with him because he people. I said, why, why didn't you bring your own jet? He says, because it's cheaper to fly commercial. You know, the wear and tear on his you know, 757. He says, the wear and tear of flying to Aussie would kill him. He says, it's better to fly a Qantas, you know. And sitting the wherever he, we sat, but I got to know the guy so well. He's a very good man, but he is. He will tell you that there is no two Donald Trumps. You know, when he's pissed off, he's pissed off. When he's happy, he's happy. But he's not going to pretend to be happy when he's pissed off. You know, what I mean, he's just going to be blunt. Mm -hmm. And I'd rather have that than not under, not know if the person's just being two faced on me. But it's interesting, though, you did say that you don't trust the U.S. government in terms of, you know, investing in Treasury. So there is an aspect to, obviously, that's associated all the way to the top in terms of Trump. So, there, you know, it's, there's a distinction between the person and also the um, the, the office that, that that position holds, obviously. 
Well, when Trump promised to drain the swamp, I think the swamp's winning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a, do, 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 do you know what I mean? That's, yeah, mission impossible. Yeah, that swamp is big. He had to change his tune. But, yeah. you know what I mean? It's, it's just the world we live in, Tony. I mean, he faces, we all face a very, very different world. I mean, obviously, so, you, in closing, obviously, you referred to uh, Donald because he's the most controversial of all your other co-authors. Uh, so I guess that's why you, I, when I mentioned, mentioned your books, you wanted to bring up Donald. But um, that aside, um, and there's a lot of people, most people in Australia don't have a high opinion of, of um, your president. And we're, we're looking from afar. And, and it's it's... It's, everyone's entitled to their own opinion, but there are many other co-authors that, that I'm suggesting for others that you people should really consider because that, that subject matter that they're covering is is very is is very pertinent and it's not just about which they put out. There's a lot of other sub um, topics that these guys cover that you're kind of working together with them to produce those books, and that's what I really want to um, remind people of. Um, but that's but you and I are in the same business education. And that's what books are for, because you know a person can get more depth information rather than just an opinion of some newscaster. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I think um, we're going to teacher. We we've monopolized your time. I'm going to get in trouble with your with your assistant uh, Christina if we if I keep you too long. So um, we've gone way over time. And if there's ever another chance where we can get together and have another chat, I would absolutely love that. It's been it's been great. Um, to catch up again and uh, talk about old times, and then yeah. and then you know tick that box. One of your one of your less likely um, students ended up um, you know doing something pretty incredible with the information you you dished out. Well, you got you got the tetrahedron. Yeah, <laughs> I got it in the end. Yeah. Building block of universe. That's that's the pyramids and all that stuff. There's no anyway. There's no pi r squared out there. <laughs> I, Actually, one of my favorites was Keith Cunningham, and he, um, in his Texan accent, you know, yeah, guys, you gotta think in three D, three D. That's yeah. three dimensional thinking. That's it. That's <laughs> that's. I mean, he's a smart boy. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, thanks again. Uh, wish you well, and hopefully um, we see I'll you down under. I'll tell Blair Singer that you said hello. Oh, please, and Eileen as well, yeah. That, right now for me, so anyway, thank you. Good on you. Thanks. Thanks again. I'll Thanks. just signing out. All the best. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces, and more. Or, if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast, and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore, at booktopia.com.au.